Hi, and welcome to Bliss This House, Home Organizing with Maria Grove. I'm Maria, your host. I'm a professional home organizer with years of experience tackling clutter and helping build sustainable organizing solutions in my clients' homes. This podcast will teach you how to have fun with organizing, build good habits in your home, and a little bit of design. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. It's your host, Maria. I am joined today by Alyssa from Alyssa's Yellow House. If you haven't checked out her Instagram yet, you absolutely have to. First of all, it's just lovely. It's perfect and yellow. Um, It's just really visually very pleasing. Um, But um, it also has some great, great tips for how to manage your house and how to clean and organize your house when you are neurodiverse. And it is just just the best uh, Instagram. I fell in love with it um, and I know you will too. And so I'll drop a link in the show notes so that you can follow Alyssa. But I just wanted to introduce everyone to her. So welcome, Alyssa. Hi, thanks for having me. Great. Well, introduce yourself. Tell us all a little bit about yourself. So my name is Alyssa. I am kind of accidentally in the home organization space. I originally studied in education and psychology, and then just after graduation, got married. And then, of course, you know, all of the things that have happened in the last few years started happening. So I was not teaching. I was at home. And uh, somewhere in that time span, I was also... um, I I found out that I have autism and ADHD. And the minute I figured that out, it became so clear to me why I was so frustrated with housekeeping and trying to organize my home because I was following all of the advice or I was trying to follow a lot of the advice that you find on Pinterest, that you find, you know, written advice that was written for people who don't very clearly don't think like me mm-hmm. um, because I spent a lot of time thinking that there was something wrong with me because the the traditional advice that I would read in a lot of places not everywhere but a lot of places would be just get in the habit of doing the extra step but I don't form habits very easily so like I have to remind myself to brush my teeth twice a day it doesn't just occur to me so then I realized if I'm struggling with this because I don't form habits because the way that I organize my home is different from a lot of the traditional advice that you read probably there are other people who are struggling too oh so So I started people yes So that's when I decided to start creating content for that kind of space, because I knew there had to be other people out there who were struggling like I was to figure out how do you make home organization work when your brain won't let you just get into the habit. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about um, not making habits, because habit setting is something that I teach and something that I love and something that I'm really passionate about. And I, I'm just like, if you just make a habit, you know, it's just like the easiest thing in the world. So tell me about how your brain works and how, what little things that you have found in your life that help you along that journey. So I really love that. And I, I wish that I formed habits. It's like one of those things that I see other people do that I'm so envious of because I know for some people that's really easy and 
and for a long time, I thought it should be easy for me too. And then I realized like it, it can be, I can form habits, but I have to form my habits externally to myself. So I won't just remember, but if I put things where I will see them, then I'll remember. Or if I put things where they're next to something else that I know I'm going to use, then I'll remember. So like if I put, you know, my, if I'm organizing my kitchen and I put things in a place that are next to where I'm going to use something else. So like if I'm storing my crock pot liner bags next to where I store my slow cooker, because otherwise I'll forget to put one in. And then I'm trying to clean up something that has been like, I don't always use them, but for things that are going to go for a really long time, often I will, but then I'll forget. And then I'll be really frustrated with myself. If I don't have them stored in a location where I see the slow cooker and then I see the bag and think, oh yeah, I should put that in there. So it's a lot of sort of tricks like that of putting it where I'm going to see it or putting it near something else that I'm going to use at a similar time Mm -hmm. that it's not always necessarily the place where it makes the most sense from an organizational standpoint like there are other places in my kitchen that little box of liner bags would fit better than in the cabinet with the slow cooker but that's where I need to put it And so I just started putting it there and immediately things like that have helped me so much to be able to get into those kinds of habits because I'm seeing them and I'm, I'm running into them and it's reminding me, oh yeah, I need to do that. So you're probably not a hidden organizer kind of person. You're probably not a clean countertop person you probably not at all yeah so you need the the toothpaste and the toothbrush out on the counter so you remember to brush your teeth you need the the hand soap out you need the the lotion you know so you're not putting your things in drawers away at the end of your getting ready um no no and if I am I'm putting things in a cabinet or a drawer that's right next to something else that I know that I'll use. So like I might have my toothbrush in the cabinet, but it's going to be in the cabinet right next to the face wash, right next to the hand soap. So that when I'm doing those things in the evening and I'm like, oh yeah, also right in this cabinet right here, (laughs) I need to grab my toothbrush. So all your steps are lined up. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what is the biggest thing that you have found that's helped you keep house? For me, the biggest thing has been sort of a combination between giving myself grace about not remembering things and then also remembering that not everything necessarily has to be done at a particular time. So even if I would like to have a habit of getting the dishes done right after dinner, I forget because I've walked into the other room. I'm not seeing them. It's out of my brain. I'm not going to think of that. And then reminding myself later, okay, now I've seen it and remembered I need to get this done. It's fine. It doesn't have to happen at that particular time. And that's not a failure. I I still will do it. I still can get it done. It doesn't all have to be on necessarily the schedule that I would like it to be. 
Mm, I like that because, you know, one of the things that I teach is do your dishes right after dinner. But, you know, after dinner is a wide range. You know, after dinner could be an hour after dinner. It could be two hours after dinner. As long as they're done, you know, done is done. Done is progress. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Just having that that sort of grace for myself that I know that right after dinner is a time when my family really likes to sit around and chat about our day while we digest our food. And I don't want to miss that. But then there's also no point in criticizing myself for not having already done something that I know I can do later. As long as I do, in fact, go back and do it later. Mm -hmm. So really just not not trying to make it the sole priority to the point that I lose other things that are more motivating to me. So how does your family work? How do, do you have a good support system? Um, people who understand how your brain works and how your own particular schedule and your habits and things like that work? Yes. I, my family is very supportive of that. Also, um, I have other family members that also have neurodiverse traits. And so we all kind of work around each other and just know, okay, this is a thing that this person struggles with, but this is the system they have to overcome that, which sort of just keeps us from like nagging at each other. And we have, we have systems, we have very good systems actually in my family of giving gentle reminders without nagging or, um, being able to bring up concerns or being able to say, hey, I know you said you would do this thing and then this happened and you didn't get to it, but I really need that to be done so I can move on to the next thing that, you know, I need this counter space or whatever. We've really had to come up with systems of ways to talk about that. And I think that's probably different for every family, but we will make it so obvious as to even say to each other, I have a thing I need to discuss with you. I'm not sure if it's going to sound critical, but I don't mean it to you. So could you please interpret what I'm about to say in the most charitable light? Mm. I love that because it's about communication. You know, some of the things that I teach are communication with your family members about your goals for your house. You know, my family sees me doing my steps after dinner, which are washing the dishes, you know, wiping down the countertops, cleaning the sink, and then a couple of other extra steps. And so they're not like, you know, mom, mom, like, do this, do that. They know that I have different things that I need to do after dinner. And so it's about identifying what your priorities are and letting the people in your house know this is what I'm going to be doing after dinner. This is what I'm going to be doing from, you know, in the afternoon, I'm going to be tackling my closet today. And, you know, I I have the energy, I have the mental capacity, I have the physical capacity to do a big organizing project today. So I'm going to do that. And so I need you to like, you know, maybe, maybe make your own lunch. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And also being able to, to communicate about ways to make those things interesting. Mm -hmm. So even when it's someone else that you're trying to convince to clean out their closet, like coming up with a way to make that enjoyable or make that fun 
especially for a neurodiverse brain, like I struggle to pay attention to things that are not enjoyable or interesting or fun for me. Mm-hmm. So trying to make those things fun and kind of combine an element of almost turning it into a game makes it so much easier. And one of the things that I've continued specifically about cleaning your closets is something my mom did with me when I was a kid. And she would play a game called, are you going to wear this in five minutes? And she would pull <laughs> something out of my closet and say, you're leaving the house in five minutes. Are you going to put this on? If I say yes, it goes back in the closet. If I say no, it gets donated. Ugh. So even just things like that, just like turning something into a little bit of a game to make it interesting enough to be easy to pay attention to. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting concept that you talk about when you say about the neurodiverse brain is that if it's not fun or interesting, it doesn't really capture your imagination. So how do you make things like mundane tasks, like doing the dishes or cleaning out your closet? You know, how do you gamify them in some way? I think it's going to be probably different for every person because Mm -hmm. you have to figure out what really works for you and your brain. The thing that my brain thinks is interesting is not going to be the thing that someone else's brain finds interesting and worth focusing on. Um, But for me, one of the things that I do a lot is I try to time myself to see how quickly I can get things done or I will sort of just completely remove myself from the task and I will listen to a podcast or do something else with my brain while my hands are doing a different task. So it doesn't take a lot of focus to do the dishes. It just takes standing there washing them or loading them into the dishwasher. But if I can come up with something else for my brain to be doing, it will allow me to focus enough to stand there and do that task until I'm finished with it. Mm -hmm where otherwise I will absolutely get distracted in the middle and find myself cleaning out my closet. And my husband will say, what are you doing? And I'll say, doing the dishes, except apparently I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Except I'm not there. (laughs) I like what you said about uh, timing yourself. That's something that a lot of organizers um, teach. You know, it's something, you know, you can, you can do that is, Larger chunks or smaller chunks are, are what, what's better for a neurodiverse brain in terms of a, a task? It really depends on what the task is and how much you personally enjoy it. If it's something that I like, I can focus on it for hours at a time. If it's something that I struggle with, smaller chunks are going to be a lot better and then I can take a break and then kind of come back to it fresh. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I will choose a time like the length of a podcast. If I have a podcast I want to listen to that's about half an hour, that's a great length of time for me to get the kitchen clean. So now it's a race. Can I clean the kitchen before the end of this podcast? So I've sort of combined timing myself with finding something else for my brain to do while I'm trying to accomplish this task that really needs to be done, but that I think is kind of boring. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's a great tip for, for anyone, you know, even people who are not neurodiverse. I mean, you know, timing yourself, making it a game, um, setting a, setting a timer and seeing how much you can get done in just 10 minutes or 15 minutes. 
um, putting on a podcast and kind of zoning out and um, letting your brain enjoy the podcast, you know, whether it's a true crime or, or you know, stuff you missed in history class or whatever, um, and just getting it done. You know, there's a concept called um, habit stacking, which is, um, and I'm sure you've heard of it, which is that you, you know, you, you, I, I really hate food prepping, like meal prepping for the week and, you know, chopping all the vegetables and prepping the meat. I just don't care for it. But if I put on a show and so like I put on Stranger Things and I watch that while I'm doing that, but the only time I get to watch Stranger Things is when I'm meal prepping. And so it gives me that boost of I get to watch Stranger Things while I'm meal prepping. So it makes it an enjoyable experience. Or similarly, when I take the dogs for a long walk, I get to listen to a really interesting podcast. And so, you know, the task of taking the dogs for a walk could be a little arduous, but I get to enjoy this other thing that I like to do. So it's called habit stacking. That's a big part of it. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that one of the things that made a big impact on me was when I realized that I my brain does not give me the ability to just grit my teeth and do the task. I have to find something else. And so I do so much habit stacking just to, you know, get things done like that. Like for me, I love the meal prep. I get so much enjoyment out of putting everything in its own little container and everything is prepared and like, that organizing task just feels intrinsically rewarding to me. So I can go in the kitchen and do that for two or three hours without a podcast, without a video, without anything, because I find that personally rewarding. Cleaning up the dishes afterward, I am going to have to have something else because I will resist doing the dishes as long as I can. Well, Alyssa, let's trade. You can come to my house (laughs) and make my meals and I'll come to your house and do your dishes. (laughs) That would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny that we both have these things that we were talking about and and you're like, yep, I love doing that. And I'm like, nope, I can't stand it. Yes. And I think that especially with a neurodivergent kind of perspective, finding those things and being honest about what they are is critical to having success with your home organization. Because if you are telling yourself, well, I enjoy this, so why can't I just enjoy that? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And there's not necessarily a rhyme or reason to the things that are easy and the things that you will completely resist. Yeah. So Alyssa, are you, um, when it comes to organization, are you a small task kind of person? Are you like a drawer at a time or are you a big project? Like I'm going to tackle the closet or I'm going to tackle this whole room at once kind of person, or really just does it depend on the day? I am definitely a small task kind of person. Mm-hmm. I, for me, it's really easy to become overwhelmed by the size of a whole room. But if the task that I've set myself is clear out this one drawer, that feels doable to me because I can finish it and then I can walk away and that one task is done. Whereas if it's a task the size of a whole room, I already know I'm going to need to take a break. And then when I take a break, it feels like I'm leaving that task unfinished. And 
it feels like I've got this little flag up in my brain reminding me to go back to it. And then it's hard to focus on anything else until I go back to it, which means that when I take a break, I'm not really resting. I'm not really taking a break. I'm still mentally doing that task. So then by the time I get my body up and go back in there to keep doing it, I'm less prepared to finish the task. So breaking them up into small chunks definitely is the way to go for me. Interesting. That's really great. Um, And that's really interesting what you said about like that your mind is still on the task, even if you're taking a break. Yeah, that's definitely a big deal is getting my body and my brain to be willing to take a break at the same time. Interesting. Wow. Well, it's so, it, it's so interesting to, to talk to someone who, um, would you say that you love organizing and housekeeping? I really do. Yeah. You know, because some people, I can, I can, I can feel that from your Instagram because you're so passionate about it and you gave such great tips. Um, and it, it's so, it's so interesting because so many people who are neurodiverse feel like they've just lost control. And so they feel like they don't love their home and they don't love organizing because they don't know how to do it and they don't know how to do it for them. They don't know the right steps for them. And I think it's a very common story, your story, where people are like, oh, I'll just look on Pinterest and, you know, oh, I'll fold it like Marie Kondo folds it. Well, you know, that that's not how everybody can fold their clothes and maybe that doesn't really work. You know, it's just so many different organizing styles for different types of people and different types of brains. Yes, definitely. I mean, whether your clothes are perfectly folded or whether you're wearing them right out of the dryer, it doesn't really matter as long as they're clean. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's very, very easy to become convinced that if you're not doing it, quote unquote, the right way, then you must be doing it wrong. And I genuinely believe that the only wrong way is the way that doesn't work for you. Mm. Oh, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> the only wrong way is the way that doesn't work for you. Um, I think a very dangerous wording is Pinterest perfect. Agreed. Yes. The biggest problem that I have personally with the Pinterest perfect whatever, whether it's Pinterest perfect organization or Pinterest perfect parenting or, you know, whatever Pinterest perfect thing we want to talk about is that you can go on Pinterest and you can see Pinterest perfect in 15 different ways in 15 different posts and one person can't do all of them. So there's always going to be something that you're not doing. And it's really dangerous to hold yourself to the standard of 15 different people because you're just one person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's this ideal out there, especially in organizing. You know, I really, um, I really like the home edit. Um, I, I enjoy the show. I have read the books. Uh, I love organizing my things in rainbow order. That was a game changer for me. Rainbow order is a big deal. Yay, rainbow order. But but the problem with the home edit is that it's just unattainable. And even if it is attainable, like you have someone like me come in and Pinterest perfect your pantry, uh, there are real people who live in your house 
who are not going to put the green things back with the green things and the blue things back with blue things. There are just not. it. And then even if they do, even if you train every single person in your house to do that, you're going to go to the grocery store the next week and you're going to get a purple thing. And where's that purple thing go? It is absolutely, it's just unattainable. It's, it's, it's just a, it's, it's so hard. It lasts for maybe a millisecond and then real life sets in and that's okay. Yeah. It's a great system. If you have all the time in the world to just maintain that system, Mm -hmm. but if you're doing other things, if you're a real person living a real life, you have other things to do. And at some point you're going to have to do something else or the product that always comes in a blue package has rebranded and it's green now. Yes. And now what do you do? (laughs) And so having, having systems that, that work for you, whatever they are, even if it's not what the person on the home edit is, is promoting as if that's a system that works for them. Great. I am so happy for them. It would not be the system that worked for me. And if I was trying to use that system, I would feel like such a failure. Mm -hmm. You have to find the system that is maintainable because if, if I come and organize your house and a day later it looks trashed again, that's not a maintainable system. Yes. Yes. And it's not the fault of the people who are living in the house. It's the fault of a mismatch between a system and people who are trying to use it. Exactly. 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 Yeah, that definitely is matching the system to the way that you actually operate is so much easier than trying to change your behavior to fit a system that is always going to be hard for you to follow. Mm hmm. So what's the best system? I know it, everyone is different, but what is the best system for people who are neurodivergent? It really just dramatically depends. Yeah. I For me, I think it's the, the place where I would start the first question that I would have someone ask themselves is what do they find themselves doing anyway? And then how can they work with that? If you have a place where you're always looking for something and it's not there because it's stored somewhere else, move it to be stored in the place where you're always looking for it. Work with the system that you are naturally creating because you'll naturally create a system. It's not... It's not only something that has to be imposed on you from the outside. If you watch your own behavior, you'll notice what you do over and over again. And you can use that to create a more, a a larger, more robust system that accounts for more things. Yeah. I say, um, it's an, where would you intuitively look for it? That's what I, that's the, that's the word that I look for. That's the word that I use. Would you intuitively look for the pot holders next to the pot or in this drawer? Should we hang them up on the wall? So you always can see them and you know where they are, or can you remember that they're in this drawer? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I find that a lot of times we, I was talking to someone just a few days ago who was saying, Yes, I have this drawer, this one drawer where I put my fridge containers. It's horrible. It's always disorganized. We put stuff in there and just pray it closes and then pray we can get it open again. 
And the more I talked to this person, the more they said, yeah, when we moved in and we unpacked everything, that's where it landed and we just never moved it. It's like, okay, that's where you start then is look at why did you put it there in the first place? And is there a better place that you could put? Is there something that would go perfectly in that drawer that's taking up space somewhere else? And you could switch those things around and both of them would be easier. I cannot tell you, Alyssa, how many times I go into a client's home and people say, this kitchen just does not work for me. And the first question I ask is, who unpacked this kitchen? And inevitably, someone will say, well, my mother-in-law, my best friend, my movers, they unpacked my kitchen for me. And then they think it has to stay like that. It's your kitchen. You can move it any way you want. You can put your glasses wherever you want. You can put your pantry wherever you want. It is what is your kitchen. You can store Legos in your kitchen if you want. It is your kitchen. (laughs) Yes. And and people don't think they can move things. It's fascinating. (laughs) I find that that happens even with other people's stuff. Like if you're taking a tour of a place before you move into it while someone else is still living there and it's like, oh, well, they store their plates here, which means this is where the plates go. Yes. No, this means this is where they store their plates. Yeah. You can store yours wherever you want. And maybe, maybe it's good juju to move it around and store your plates somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. the, The possibilities are, how many cabinets do you have in here that you could choose from or stack them on the counter if you really want to, as long as you have a system that works for you. It doesn't really matter what that system is as long as it's functional. Yeah, that's so funny. I love that. The only wrong way is the way that doesn't work for you. I love that. That's it's that's really wise, Alyssa. <laughs> I think especially when, I mean, I think that, that being neurodivergent, a lot of traditional like home organization advice doesn't work for me but I think it also just doesn't work for a lot of people Mm -hmm. because most home organization advice that's not I mean I looking at all of your stuff and your stuff all talks about all of your content about how you have to create the system that works for you and it might not be the same system that works for the next person but I feel like there's so much out there that this is the right way kind of back to that Pinterest perfect idea right and if that is not the system that works for you, regardless of how your brain works, it's not going to be the system that works for you. And you can try to bully yourself into doing it, or you can just find a better system. Yeah. I always try to find the right system for my clients. I, you know, I, I have an opinion. I have an idea. I've been doing this a while. Like I, I have a, I have a solution, but that doesn't necessarily mean it works in this house. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to last in this house. So I have to meet the homeowner where they are. If they're ready to let go of things, if they're ready to keep the spices in that drawer, if they're ready to clean off that countertop, maybe they're not, even though they called me. And and so I have to meet them where they are. I think that's so important. And I think also a lot of the, the minimalism really doesn't work for a lot of people because they have a lot of stuff that they need either for their work or for their hobbies or they have just a number of things that can't really be gotten rid of I mean 
many of the women in my family generations back are quilters. And you're not going to convince them to get rid of the piles of fabric that they have. And I know that because I'm a quilter myself. So <laughs> yes, it is expansive. I have half of a room full of fabric and notions and things, but I'm using them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that for me is where where the question really comes down is like, but are you using it? Does it work for you? If If it was a bunch of stuff that I wasn't using, that would be different to me because then I should be using that space. I could be using that space for something that I was going to enjoy instead of something that's breathing my air and taking my energy. But because I do enjoy it, it doesn't feel like clutter to me. And minimalism is so different for so many people. And what I like is that there's so many versions of minimalism out there. Yes. It's not all just white couches and neutral palettes and four spoons. It's, <laughs> yes. you know, it's, you can have art on your wall as a minimalist. You can have an office with paper as a minimalist. You, you know, it's, it's about what you just said. It's about living with the things that you use. Maybe not yes. maybe not an excess of things, but but still having things. It's okay to have things. Yes. And I think that the the Pinterest perfect ideal of minimalism of everything is, you know, white carpets. And anybody who has a family knows that a white carpet is just gonna be a struggle the whole time. Right. I have dogs. <laughs> there not, be... There's not gonna be a white carpet ever in my life. I have dogs. I no. and I, I, I want the dogs more than I want the white carpet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is the priority, is not the if you look at, if you go on Pinterest and you look up minimalism, you're going to find white and stainless steel. And that's just not what my home is ever going to look like. And I'm okay with that. And there's also a difference between recognizing that I'm never going to live in a place that's white and stainless steel. And also I don't have to just have stuff for the sake of having stuff. Yeah. There's a fine balance. Yeah. And I think it's, it's okay. It's okay to have things and it's okay to have mementos, but, you know, just having, you know, maybe less, just having just maybe fewer things on the walls, um, letting your, your space breathe, um, you considering a capsule wardrobe, um, you just little steps that you can take. That's, like new minimalism um yes you know that can be very healthy for people um living with I like to say living with slightly less (laughs) yes I think that can definitely help you recognize the value that you place on the things you have Mm -hmm. and and having things that have value to you instead of things that are good enough yeah, I, I just recently threw away, I think, three different ice cream scoops because they were all slightly broken or slightly not very good. And finally, I was like, what if I just buy, what if I just spend the, what is it, 10 bucks to buy a new one that I'm going to really enjoy instead of being frustrated every single time I pick up one of these three others that I'm keeping around. Yeah. And it's been great. It's been so good. And it takes up a third of the space in the drawer. Yep. Excellent. 
Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. We really ran, ran around. We talked about neurodiversity. We talked about organization. We talked about minimalism. Uh, love all of that. Um, you know, I want to wrap up by asking you my three questions, um, if, if I may, Alyssa. What is your greatest accomplishment? I think that my greatest accomplishment is honestly just learning to be true to myself, learning to listen to my own voice. There have been so many situations in my life where the choices that I made that were the right choices for me were questioned by people that I loved and people that I respected, but developing the skill and I really believe it is a skill of listening to my own voice to see what is right for me because I'm the person living in my life and I'm the person living in my body and so someone else's advice might be something I should consider but ultimately I think it's most important for me to do the thing that I believe is right for myself and I think really getting comfortable with that is honestly one of the the things that I've done that I'm most proud of. That's wonderful. I love that. Congratulations. Living your truth, living your, your authentic self. That's wonderful. Um, what is your favorite book? I don't really have a favorite book, but I do have so much affection for any of the Frog and Toad books by Arnold LaBelle. I love the frog and toad books. I just love how human they are, even though, I mean, they're amphibians, but I, I love how much grace they show to each other and how much realism there is in the relationship that frog and toad have with one another and the way that they acknowledge the needs of the other and the way that they can also acknowledge their own behavior and really step up and just try to be a good friend. And I apologize, my dog is barking um, and I hope everyone can hear how beautifully you've just talked about Frog and Toad. Um, I love Frog and Toad, they're, they're great books. I used to read them to my kids, um, just wonderful. So that's a great um, recommendation. I will put them in the show notes. So thank you so much. That's really great. And what is your best organizing tip? Definitely. I think just putting something in the place where you naturally reach for it. If there's a place where you always look for something, that's where it should live. If it's a pattern that makes sense for your subconscious brain, make it easy on yourself, organize in a way that's intuitive and let your brain do that for you. If your brain is telling you this is where it needs to go, put it there. I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, like I said, it place it intuitively. That's the best way to do it. That's that's it. So how can people get in touch with you? And I think they really should. As I started off this podcast, you know, really check out Alyssa's Instagram. It's wonderful. Um, Alyssa's Yellow House. Um, so how can people get in touch with you? Um, the Instagram is great. Just at Alyssa's Yellow House. Um, the website is also Alyssa's Yellow um, I am very soon going to be opening up a Facebook group at Alyssa's Yellow House. That hasn't happened yet. It's still coming, um, but it should be here fairly soon. And um, email is also good, Alyssa at Alyssa's Yellow House. And then, yeah, just find me on Instagram. Instagram is definitely the best place. Um, 
but yeah, there's, there's tons of stuff on the Instagram. You should check out the Instagram. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, really. Like I said, it's so it's branded so well, it's gorgeous. It's, it's, it's lovely and so many wonderful tips and tricks and um, just really got a chance to know Alyssa as a person and as an organizer and a home homekeeper and just wonderful, wonderful stuff. So thank you so much, Alyssa. I really appreciate this opportunity to chat today. Yeah, it's been great to talk to you. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And thanks everyone for joining me today. Please check out Alyssa on Instagram and all of her uh, socials and everything. And I will see you next time. Namaste. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more, join my free and private Facebook group. In it, I offer exclusive content and unique ways to work with me. It's like having access to your own personal professional organizer. The link is in the show notes to join today. See you on Facebook.